When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, spanking and regional restaurants. And there's this association of a feeling like, I'm not supposed to tell anybody about this. And I don't think that I'm supposed to be interested in this, but I am. This idea of like, you're in trouble and you're going to get punished. That element is really compelling and very popular to a lot of people. I've spanked people with ludicrous things. I've spanked someone with a fire hose. I've spanked someone with a ceiling fan. I've spanked someone with photos. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, thank you so much for all of your support. So our first guest is a professional disciplinarian and the headmistress of Spanking University. This is Miss Kelly May. Were you always drawn to this or did that kind of happen later on? No, so I've always been interested in spanking, specifically in my fetish. So um, it's, you'll find that's very typical of people that identify as fetishists. So people that have a specific interest. A lot of us, um, remember thinking about it and being interested in it in childhood as early as like five years old. At that point, you don't know what it is, right? You don't think, oh, I have this sexual interest. You're just like, oh, I'm like interested in this. I We talk about looking it up in the dictionary a lot. So being like a dictionary kid, like you'd look up the word spanking in the dictionary and all the sort of associated words. If it came on on a cartoon or in a book you were reading, you'd kind of feel like, <gasps> and there's this association of a feeling like, I'm not supposed to tell anybody about this. And I don't think that I'm supposed to be interested in this, but I am. And then kind of as you grow older and you hit puberty, you start you're like, oh, okay, connecting some dots here. There are some people that will come to this later in life, you know, that, but I'd say for people that are what we call like an obligatory fetishist or an exclusive fetishist, somebody who like their fetish is their whole sexuality often and usually will have noticed it in childhood. Um, Not necessarily because of a trauma or anything like that. I was not spanked as a kid. Um, You'll find that statistically speaking, it's about the normal average of whether people were or weren't spanked as a kid. So like you were drawn to it even before you were kind of sexually attracted to the idea of sex. Like it, it was this thing and then... So I'm not interested in sex and I have never been interested in sex. So... Um, but yes, but I understand in the sense of like, it is pre-sexual. Yes, it is a interest that precedes like a sexual awakening. Um, but I have no interest in vanilla sex, what I, what I would consider or call vanilla sex, right? Sex that doesn't contain spanking or any sort of kink. 
to a lot of people, when they hear about fetishes or, or kinks or BDSM or spanking or all these things, they kind of assume that it's um, like dessert, right? It's the, or an appetizer, right? And it's, it's the whole meal. You're not interested in just missionary, hey, I got five minutes, let's do this. Like this is the whole thing. Yes. So that like missionary sort of like that has zero interest, zero out of 10. I think a friend of mine who also does like spanking discussions and education work, um, the way she talks about it is like, what is the thing you think about when you masturbate? Right? Like, and uh, most people think about sex in some capacity, right? I don't think about sex at all. <laughs> I have never thought about sex and masturbating. It's always been spanking. If that makes sense. It does. It does. What is it about it? That's a question for the ages, right? So I don't, it's everything. So it's the details. It's the nuance. I, so I kind of, the way I describe spanking is being made up of four components specifically. So, um, they are discipline, power, pain, and humiliation. And some combination of those things via spanking is the interest. And whether, like, so when I was younger, it was very discipline driven. I was really into the idea of like being in trouble and being punished. I, had very toxic love with the idea of discipline and being fixed of like someone's of rescuing and someone being saving me. Um, and then sometimes I'll be really into the idea of somebody else just being in control as a top. I love humiliation. I like being in control as well. And then there's the aspect of this hurts. This has a physical sensation to it, right? There's a masochism sadism element to it. Um, but what it is that I like about it is an odd question in the sense of it's, it's everything about it. Um, I can't imagine not being interested in it. So therefore like individual aspects of it aren't more appealing than others. I like all of it, not necessarily one single aspect of it. Now, do, do people seem to assume one role generally? Like I'm either the spanker or the spanky or yeah. do people kind of go back? No, that's a good question. Sorry, I forgot you, you said you didn't have any background knowledge and that's, that's totally fine. So, um, you're typically one of three orientations. So you're either a bottom, which is the person getting spanked, you're the top or the person doing the spanking, or you're a switch, which is what I am, which means you do either role and you like both roles. So um, I often think a lot of fetishists are switches because in some ways I just love the act. I love the thing itself in some ways more than I love my orientation to it. This is going to sound really wild. So like male, male platonic discipline spanking is my favorite. Like that is the, mwah, that is the chef's kiss. My favorite thing. I am not involved in that scene, even a little bit. Like I have no interest in it, but I love it desperately because I love, it is a perfect representation of, of spanking in my fetish. Um, but then for example, my husband is a top and he's only a top. Um, and then plenty of people are bottoms and only bottoms. So I just want to be involved. I just like it. And so I, I sometimes say I'm a bisexual switch. I'm not indecisive. I'm greedy. 
Um, I just want to do all of the things. Just want to do everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm down for I'm, it. I'm in. I'm here for it. Now, is that, okay, do men and women, do they tend to assume traditional, uh, a certain role? Like, usually a man is this, usually a woman is this. Like, does yeah. it fall along those kind of lines? You will find more male tops and more female bottoms. Those are the, the pr- if someone is just a top, it is almost always ma- a male. And if someone is just a bottom, it is often a woman. Um, but there are lots of male bottoms. There are fewer female tops. Um, there's a lot of female switches, though. Um, there's a discussion going on in our community right now about how women especially as they age are more valued by our community as switches than they are as just bottoms. So there's a bit of an incentive for women to start topping as they get older. Um, And there still is some stereotyping against male bottoming, right? So there is still, unfortunately, a bit of stigma. So guys that will top, like they primarily top, but even if they really wanted to bottom, they might not ever do it because there is sometimes there can be the association of like, Oh, you're not a real top then. Oh yeah. Like just, you can't, you, you can't do it at all. You gotta. Yeah. There's a, it's, just, it's a very kind of like gross misogyny of this idea of like the alpha male and like the submissive female. And if the alpha male were to submit in some capacity to someone, then he would no longer be the alpha. When do you kind of, when do you go from like, I'm married, my wife and I, like, give it a little pat on the bottom. But when does going from a pat on the bottom to, like, spanking to, like, whoa, that's some spanking? Like, where? Did, how does this progress? That's a great question. So I'd say you're sort of, like, typical, average, like, beginner spanking would be with just with a hand over someone's knee, like, on a sofa or in a chair. and probably on bare bottom so without clothes and go for a minute or two like a couple minutes to the point that the bottom would be feeling kind of like squirming and in pain but not so much pain that they're trying to get away if that makes sense there's it's a the the phrase it's a spanking it's supposed to hurt right like that always is gonna apply Um, but you can definitely do spanking at a level of just casual, playful, not taking very long and just kind of, you end up with a nice warm, rosy feeling and you're happy and gone to like, uh, you know, I can beat someone with a strap for an hour. So uh, like I could take a belt to somebody for like an hour. Um, so there's a huge range in the middle and it all depends on kind of what you're going for. Some of the time, if you're going for a role play, right? If you're going for a discipline scene, if you're going for the idea of like, you've been naughty and you're going to get punished, you kind of do the spanking as it fits the scene in a way, right? So like, it wouldn't make sense if I'm scolding somebody, say for like, you know, if I'm pr- pretending to be a professor and scolding somebody for not turning in an assignment, it's not going to make a lot of sense for me to bust out like five paddles and two straps and a cane and like go for an hour spanking them. It'll make more sense for me to do like a contained scene that takes 
five, 10 minutes, right? Maybe 15, 20 minutes if you include all the scolding and the, and the before. Um, but if what somebody's going for is one of the things you can try to get, which is a very BDSM concept rather than a spanking concept of uh, subspace and endorphins, basically like when you're in pain, your body floods your brain with endorphins. It's what happens when you run, like when people get runners high, it's just your body being like, hi, have some endorphins. You're doing something very silly. Um, and so you can make, you can like create that feeling, um, in which case that'll be like a longer, a longer scene. In reality, a spanking scene is primarily not the spanking. It's the scolding, the lead up, the rituals of all the things and then a bit of the like aftercare and the comfort and the cuddles and the forgiveness and the spanking can sometimes take up very little of it um like the, the physical action or it can take up a ton of it that made did that make any sense it does it's the whole situation right it's the you're gonna get spanked i'm about to do it you're in trouble here it comes did you learn your lesson, right? I kind of get that. Whole... Exactly. Yeah. The, I think that's where a lot of times people that aren't into thinking or aren't into any fetish, right? It's those details that people that are like obsessed. It's, I mean, in some way, people that have a hobby and then there's, you meet somebody that like has like an obsession with this hobby, yeah. right? And you're like, oh yeah, I'm into, I don't know, Pokemon or something. And then somebody's like, oh, do you know about this like third generation with like card that only you can get like you know what i mean where it's like really really detailed and so fetishists are like that about the okay you're gonna come into the room i'm gonna be sitting here and then i'm gonna confront you and i'm gonna ask you questions like where were you where have you been and you're gonna come over here and i'm gonna sit with you and i'm gonna look at you and be like that's unacceptable behavior and i'm gonna lecture you about it then i'm gonna stand you up and then i'm gonna do I'm going to have you put, I'm going to take down your, I'm going to take down your jeans or I'm going to make you take down your jeans or like those details are what keep us up at night. You're acting out a fantasy. Yeah. So for a role play, a lot of times it is, it's like acting out a fantasy. Um, most spankos or a lot of spankos you'll find are really into the idea of, of real discipline of domestic discipline of being spanked for real life things and being punished for real life things i have very complicated feelings about this um that is my fetish as well like i have that core interest i'm not convinced it's like good for anybody or good for us um but in which case you're going through the idea of like i have done something wrong and someone is going to hold me accountable for the thing that i have done wrong and punish me for it that would be the one question that i would have right and maybe this comes from my kind of a more traditional background is a sense that let's say you're like married with kids, right? Like, how do you go from doing that to like, all right, we got to go pick up the kids at school. Like, can people have that kind of turn it on, turn it off? I'm air quotes, normal life. Yeah. Or is this like, no, you're in it. And this is, this is but, the core of your relationship. That's a really good question. So I find that in practice, most people turn it on and turn it off. Eventually. So the fantasy is that you live it 24 seven. And in the beginning, you can, when you're at the beginning of your relationship and everything is new and shiny and you have that new relationship energy that every, everybody gets, right? And everybody gets in a new relationship. It's just like the honeymoon phase, right? Where you have sex all the time. And then vanilla people don't, you know, you're not just gonna like go have sex on a random Tuesday at 3 p.m. because you gotta go pick up the kids, right? It's the, 
it can have that sort of element to it. And discipline is one of the ways that this falls apart in real life, because in fantasy, a top is perfect. In the fantasy, the top never messes up. In the fantasy, the top is infallible. And in real life, that's not how it works. Yeah. And so it sometimes it can be hard if you're like, oh, I'm in trouble for doing this. But I'm kind of annoyed at you because you didn't take out the trash yesterday. And you said you were going to take out the trash. And like, it ruins it. It, yeah, not it ruins it, it affects it. It affects it, exactly, it affects it. And so spanking can end up with people that are in long-term relationships and committed relationships, people that have families, things like that. It can kind of become more of that fantasy or role play or one-off thing, the way sex is for most people in a married couple, right? It's like, oh, we have a weekend away. Like, let's go yeah, do the yeah. thing. So it becomes more like that, whereas... There are people that, you know, if they're single or they're they're like, will try to live 24-7. But I find the people that typically say that they live 24-7 either don't or um, don't actually live with their partner (laughs) 24-7. That they'll be long distance. Yeah, that would be a hard thing. And I'll, like, speak from my personal – like, I couldn't imagine, like – putting my wife over my knee for an hour and then being like, all right, we got to go do the grocery shopping. Like, I wouldn't know how that would, yeah, how so that would work. In those situations, it would usually be more of like a two minute sort of situation. Right. So like that I've done with my husband where it's like, oh, I want a spanking and we've got like 20 minutes. Like I can take, I can get a few smacks and feel like, oh, that felt nice. I feel happy. Like we did, we had a little bit of connection and a little bit of like something quick and fun, and then we can go get groceries. But yeah, no, we don't have the big elaborate role plays that we used to do when we first got together, where, you know, we'd text about it for a week and then be like, okay, so you're gonna be an American revolutionary guardsman, and I'm gonna be, you know, and you have this really elaborate thing. And now it's like, hey, can you spank, do you, can you give me a spanking? Like, and he's like, yeah. That sounds nice. Or it's like, oh, I put on a pretty dress and it's like, mm. so in some ways, we're just like vanillas. We, <laughs> the, it's just like sex in that sense. Right. Like everything becomes normalized after a certain amount of time. But then I would imagine that this is a thing that can go too far. Yes. So explain what you mean by that. Somebody getting hurt. The nice thing about spanking compared to other BDSM things is it's not particularly dangerous, right? So rope, uh, like bondage, which is a really common thing for people to kind of like casually try out as they're like dabbling into kinkiness is actually wildly dangerous. Um, And people just think it's like really entry level and it's actually deeply, deeply not. Spanking on the other hand is pretty entry level because like, especially if you're using your hand, it hurts your hand. So it's actually difficult to hit someone harder like hard enough to cause them damage that wouldn't also cause you damage. Yeah, that makes sense, right? You can only do it so hard. Right. But if you start using implements, you can definitely cause injury. And I think that there is, there comes up to a level of like, so we call it risk-aware consensual kink rack. It's this idea that all kink and all fetish work, like all things like this that involve pain and are inherently risky. I'm asking somebody to hurt me, but just right. I want you to hurt me exactly the way I want you to hurt me, but I can't really tell you what that is. I just kind of need you to know it. 
And learning those communication skills of how to articulate what it is that you want from a scene versus what it is that you don't. We talk about limits a lot in spanking and in kink in general, you'll say, so I have a limit against this implement and this implement or this type of scene. Um, I have a limit about like broken skin. I don't play as a bottom like on broken skin. I don't like bruises either. Some people don't have those limits, right? So coming to terms with whatever it is that you are willing to do and how much risk you are willing to take and understanding what the risks are that are inherent. Like I said, spanking is relatively low risk as far as BDSM goes, right? But a caning, which is like a very traditional British form of spanking uh, with like a rod, like a cane, is much higher risk. Like you could you could do some damage. Like you were yeah. saying, like you could you could hurt someone with that, right? And so knowing what those risks are um, so that you're able to consent to them or not is as a bottom is really important. And as a top, it's just critical that people learn how to do stuff properly. Um, there's a lot of technique to it and being technically competent is a, is a thing. Um, something I really value. Where would you say on the level of like one being like, Oh, light pad on the bottom, like 10, I'm getting a running start with a hockey stick and whacking, right? Like where, where would you say that most people are on that kind of level? Like when somebody is interested in this and enjoys this, how far do they usually go? Like a five, like I'd say most people play. So that's actually a really good question. And I, so I, I actually asked people this when I, a session, I, I use a zero to 10 scale of how much something hurts. And I usually people want to stay between like four and six. If I want to push someone, if they want a punishment scene, if they want to feel like something really hurt, I might briefly take it up to like a seven or an eight, right? And kind of like push them into a spot where it's like, I'm uncomfortable, this hurts, I don't like it. And then pull them back down. Um, but there, there are people who are like, no, take a running start and like, hit me with a two by four. That seems like it really hurt. <laughs> it, was, it does go for it. I mean, some of it is about pain tolerance, right? So some of it is personal, like how much pain can you take and how well do you process pain? Um, and then some of it is just like interest, right? So if somebody is really obsessed with paddles and hard paddlings, that that's going to be what you're going to do, even if you have a low pain tolerance. Um, but somebody who has a high pain tolerance, but doesn't like the idea of implements at all, will just not use them. So does that make any sense? I'd say the majority of people are in the middle where it's like most people like a hard hand spanking and the occasional hairbrush or belt. Okay. This may be a little bit personal, right? Go so then it. after, after you do a spanking, right? Well then do you then have sex afterwards or is there just, there's no sex involved in this at all? For the most part, there is no sex involved in this at all. Um, that is not true for everybody. So there are spankos who like to have sex after, um, or do sexy things, you know, even if it's not traditional sex to do sex things after I have sometimes enjoyed doing sexy times after spanking. Um, but typically like a traditional quote unquote spanking scene is like build up spanking. And then what we call aftercare. 
um, because you are full of endorphins and you're full of floaty feels and hypothetically scenes can get very emotional if they have to do with forgiveness or shame or guilt and people can cry. Uh, there's a lot of pain. And so then comforting somebody and holding somebody and letting them come down through that space and connecting in that moment um, is a really important part of a scene. So usually intense scenes will end in that and not in sex, but it can end in sex. So if, if it doesn't, though, then is it sexual? Because to me, that kind of sounds like ordering a meal and not eating it. <laughs> That's right? a great like, question. Yeah. So whether or not spanking is sexual is a hot, hotly contested debate in the spanking community. I am firmly on the stance that it is because because I'm not interested in vanilla sex. There's a there's a phrase um, used kind of to describe sex in non PID situations, right? So when you don't just have a man and a woman having sex what is sex? What is, what is two women having sex look like? Right. That sort of question. And the idea is it's the oh, farthest, it's the farthest you could go with any individual person, like the most you could do with someone, the most you would be willing to do. Right. And so if sex is off the table for me, because sex is not of interest to me, the only thing that I'm interested in doing is spanking. So how, so doing a spanking scene with someone is inherently sexual um, but it's not inherently, okay, this is going to get really in the weeds. So tell me if this is like it, too it, weedy. It kind of sounds like it changes your definition of sex. Oh, like maybe yeah. you don't have sex, but this is sex for you. Yes. So this is sex for me and certain types of spanking are more intimate than others for me personally. So discipline scenes are deeply, deeply intimate for me. And uh, age play scenes, so scenes where like my partner is my dad, my <laughs> my husband is older than me, and I call him daddy sometimes. So like those sorts of scenes with that sort of intimacy are very impactful for me. So those are scenes that say like I won't share with other people. So I'm not comfortable with him doing with other people, and I don't do them with other people because that is the thing that I consider to be like sex. That, like that is the farthest quote unquote that I will go. That is the most intimate that I get. And then if I just were to give someone like a playful spanking or to receive a playful spanking, it's still sexual the way that like making out with someone is sexual or touching someone's boob is sexual, but it's not sex. So how popular would you say that this is? Pretty popular. So spanking is one of the most common fetishes. So your most common fetishes are going to be bondage, spanking, um, feet usually, and any form of sort of like humiliation. That's like, would, would it be above feet? Because when I think of like, okay, fetishes that I've heard about. Mm -hmm. and oh, it's above feet. like up there. It's above yeah. feet? It's above feet. Well, it, feet is complicated because feet can encumber, like is actually a lot of things. So I don't have a foot fetish. I don't understand foot fetishes, but I know about them, right? So there's like, yeah, you can have an interest in the actual foot. You can have an interest in like the feet crushing things. You can have an interest in like sucking on them. Like there are very specific instance interests within feet, if that makes sense. So yeah. probably spanking is probably about as big as like the whole foot umbrella, but it's definitely bigger than any individual one. Um, 
Spanking is also wildly well organized. So it's, we sometimes feel very big as a result. There's a lot of people and a lot of people who are otherwise kinky, who are into feet or humiliation or pain or sadism or bondage will also be into spanking. They just won't be into spanking the same way that someone like me is. So the level, if in terms of people Letters that are in this, yeah, it, it's, there's, um, optional preferred and obligatory. You can be interested in something as just like a general interest that's non-sexual or it's like, it's a non-normative thing that you're into, but it's optional. Or you can be into a non-normative thing and you prefer to do it, or you can be into a non-normative thing and like have to do it. So a lot of people like spanking somewhere along that line. Um, the like the number of us that are like obligatory spanking fetishes. I don't know. I'd probably say we're like top five. We'd be right there. But discipline, yeah. like spanking overlaps with the discipline a lot. This idea of like you're in trouble and you're going to get punished. That element is really compelling and very popular to a lot of people. And spanking just works really well with that. So a lot of people kind of end up in spanking because of that. Is it more women than men? I actually think it's one of my favorite things about fetishism is that it's like a genuine cross section of humanity. It is, there are no specific types of people that are more or less likely to be into something. There are specific types of people that are more or less likely to get involved or to engage with their fetish, but you will find like the, one of the events I run, we had like 500 people, at an event and it was age 18 to 83 from seven different countries, uh, 50, 50 gender split. And I think we had people from 39 States and it was just like all the different political beliefs, all of the different financial situations, all of the different life situations. And the only thing we all have in common is this stupid fucking interest that we're all over here. Everybody just, wants to spank somebody, right? Yeah, we're all just over here being like, hi, <laughs> what do you feel about, how do you feel about the movie Blue Hawaii? Do people though within it, and I'm going to use this word very loosely, yeah, do on. people within it view it as odd? Oh, that's a really good question. So I think we all know that we're weird. Yeah. So the answer is definitely yes. Like, you grow up with a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame and there's a lot of embarrassment. I am the oddest person to talk, I'm the weirdest person to talk to about this question because I have the least amount of shame about my fetish of anyone that I know. Um, I very early on, like I said, I got the internet and I came to terms with the fact that like, this is what it is and this is who I am, it's not going away. And so I'm gonna go with it. I still did have the feelings of like, don't tell anybody. You can't tell anybody. This has to be a secret. Um, I'm very out. So like I'm doing this interview, I'm out to my family. I was out in work and school contexts. Um, but the almost no one else is like everybody else has a feeling of like, this is a thing that I'm supposed to hide. Um, which I, I don't like, and I, I, it makes me very sad. Um, but you know, it is a situation where like, I do know people that have been outed and have been fired um, from their jobs because someone found out that they were into this. So 
you know, you do run risks. Um, so we all are over here thinking that knowing that other people think we're weird and the people that come to events and get involved are the people that are most have come the most to terms with it and are the most okay with themselves and kind of being like, we're all freaks. We're just freaks together. Yeah. You have a commonality. So, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you have a, you have a university. So is there a, is there a correct way to sprank? Like what's the correct way to do it? There's no one correct way. I would say there's lots of wrong ways. Um, but I do have a, I have a YouTube channel called Spank University where I, I do a lot of like practical things. Um, YouTube doesn't like when I do like actual literal practicalities, um, but I can talk about them. But no, there's, there are ways to basically make it. So like you were saying, you know, are people at risk of getting hurt? This nice thing about a butt doesn't have any major organs in it. Doesn't have any, it's, uh, it's really well designed to get to take smacks. And so if you are using implements and using techniques correctly, you will not hurt somebody any more than they want to be hurt. If that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. And if you're just guessing and throwing things at people, uh, that's gonna go real poorly. But I mean, a lot of people do spanking wrong. So like even people that are experienced BDSM um, and like kinky people, you'll see them using tech. I'll see them using techniques that I'm like, it's not a great spanking technique. Partially because spanking does have this rootedness in punishment and this rootedness of like a traditional punishment thing that there are elements where it's like, if it's not at least kind of making a nod towards that of like someone is over a knee getting spanked, you're spanking someone with your hand like this, right? Like you're going down. If somebody is like spanking like this with like a butt in front of them and the tops of your fingers are going to hit on their lower back, like that's not spanking. That's just smacking someone's ass. Totally valid. Asses are great. Smacking ass is great. It's just not a spanking. If that makes sense. It did until I thought about it. And then I don't like, wait a minute, what now? Okay. <laughs> so, so a spanking is typically like you're like, let's just talk about hands, right? So it's like a hand hitting a butt for the purposes hypothetically of like punishing or like creating redness of, of something stinging and hurting. Usually you are perpendicular to the butt. So like someone would be laying across me like this and I would be spanking like this. So like their butt is here and I'm going down like this. You're coming down on it. At I'm like coming an angle down at an angle. Yeah. And if, and my hand is like sideways to their butt. If they're in front of me, like if someone is like, okay, so if like, if like if you're having sex, like doggy style, right. And somebody just like smacks somebody on the ass. This drives me nuts. There is no way you are hitting ass cheek. Like you are, that is mostly hip, right? That is mostly like the tips of your fingers are mostly like on the hip. And for it to be spinking, it needs to be like, you need to be getting the, the, the meaty bit. So does it make it more or less enjoyable depending on the size of someone's butt? It depends. I find all butts equally enjoyable. This, but like the amount of space that you can spank does like change. Um, it can make things harder or easier. Can you look at someone and be like, oh, that's a good spanking butt? Yeah, definitely. 
uh, like there are, I mean, everybody has their own preferences. I should say this, like, and those preferences run the gamut inside of the spanking world, just like they do outside of the spanking world. I like a, like a butt that has a little bit of like something on it. It's got to have some muscle and some jiggle. Yeah. It's like the mix. Jiggle yeah. to it. If like, if it's all muscle, it just, you kind of just feel like you're running your hand into a brick wall and it's really painful. <laughs> yeah. So like my, my right hand is like l- literally larger than my left hand. Um, because like the bone density in my right hand is like higher from having like spanked for so long. It's a weird, like if you can tell when people have been like spanking for a really long time, because the hand that they spank with is like usually <laughs> kind of gnarly. It's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Very slightly. Like the, let I can like show you but like the palm area is like oh, so yeah. slightly bigger so it's that just interesting i am very good at clapping and very good at high-fiving are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions <laughs> sure happy best thing to spank someone with worst thing to spank someone with okay best thing there's a lot of things i've spanked people with ludicrous things. I've spanked someone with a fire hose. I've spanked someone with a ceiling fan. I've spanked someone with photos. Like I, we, Spankos, we're, they're called pervertibles. We are really good at it. Um, best things, a traditional hairbrush or a wooden spoon. Those are like the easiest. They're hard to fuck up or harder to fuck up. Um, and they're very traditional, which I really enjoy both as a top and bottom. There's like a a sort of like maternal feeling to them, a very punitive feeling to them. They hurt like heck. Um, worst thing would be anything that has sharp edges. I have like a very strong feeling about this. Anything with sharp edges, anything that isn't sanded on the side. So like slotted spoons where they haven't been sanded and they're just like really sharp on the edge that can cut. Anything that can cut is basically a no for me. I also hate leather paddles. I have a personal vendetta against almost all leather paddles. Um, they're usually poorly made. They're usually from sex shops. And they're like, if you get one from a good implement maker, like they can be good, but also they usually don't hurt the bottom at all. And they take so much arm. They're like, the like the amount of work you have to put in for a leather paddle versus what you get is not, not there for me. But I, I am alone in this opinion. <laughs> now you do requests, I guess. I don't know what the phrasing would be here, right? But people can, you do sessions. Yeah, so I do sessions. So basically, I do like people can apply and I have like a website and you submit an application. And I do one on one scenes with people. Um, It's like a paid service. So it's not full service. So I don't do I don't do traditional sex. So um, I classify myself as a sex worker as a result, but I am not a sex worker and that I don't do full service sex work. So it depends on how someone wants to classify that. But like I also make porn, so you know, read that how you will. But yeah, so people can apply and have a one-on-one scene with me, where I top them and I spank them and I make fantasies come true. As long as they're spanking related, uh, people ask me for other things, and I'm like, there are amazingly qualified dominatrixes out there <laughs> that I'm sure could do that. I am just not, not one of them. That kind of feeds into one of the most common requests that you get, most interesting requests that you've had. So the most common request that I get is for just a really traditional discipline scene, usually mother-son. So that's usually like a very traditional auntie-son, um, sort of a like 
role play of like middle school or high school era, like skipping class, getting caught and getting spanked for it. That's kind of the, I, I see both men and women and in reality, I probably see more women now, but I'd say that over the years, that has been the most often done scene. Um, and what was the other part of the question? The oddest? Uh, I would say most interesting. I don't most like to use interesting. That. Yeah, not odd. Um, the most interesting. I mean, I've gotten some fascinating requests, but I won't go into all of them because I or some of them because I, I don't want people to feel bad for sending me messages. But I'd say the most interesting ones that I get um, are typically people who are brand new. Um, so I love when I get messages from people that have never been spanked before, but have been thinking about it for a really long time. So like I got a message from somebody and I ended up having a session with somebody who was 72 years old, who'd been fantasizing about spanking his whole life and had never been spanked. And so we met and I got to give him his first ever spanking and it was like a wonderful experience. So those those always are really fat. It's always a very fascinating story. Good for him. Oh yeah. No, I was like, absolutely. This is amazing. I love, I'm always so proud of people when they are able to like take that first step because it is really hard and it is really scary. And it's amazing when people take the leap. That, okay. But how did you logistically do it with a boat orb? <laughs> like that's the one like i'm always fascinated by logistics and like where did yeah. you get the boat or uh, how did you find the room for it because that's it was outside so that one was an outside scene and it was in florida and somebody that had like a canoe and so it was like the boat or the canoe oh no i did another boat or scene with somebody actually in a hotel room uh it used to give yourself a lot of space so the person was like laying down and then you kind of like measure it out you kind of go like this and and a lot of things like that the big implements it's like the it's like golf right they say let the club do the work right it's the let the implement do the work and a, a boat oar is really heavy i do yeah, not need not to easy. swing a boat oar i can just kind of raise a boat oar and let it fall in a controlled manner onto a butt and then you kind of ramp it up and ramp it up and ramp it up boat oars are really thuddy so people they can be really really yummy that is that is one of our that is probably the last listener submitted question is how much of it is just the sound? I think sound plays a really important part in spanking, and I prefer certain implements over others because of the sounds that they make. So, like, I have a hairbrush that I really love. It's beautiful. It's this antique ebony. It's a stunning vintage hairbrush. And everybody loves it because it's of its aesthetics and it feels really nice, but it makes the worst noise. It just doesn't give you that like really crisp sound. So I don't like to use it nearly as often. Um, sound is also a big part of like, my girlfriend has migraines. And so sometimes we've had issues of like, she really wants to play and like really needs a scene and like, we really want to connect in that manner. And spanking's loud. And it sometimes is literally too loud for her migraines. And so we can't play because it ends up hurting her head more than it hurts her butt. But yeah, so sound can make a big difference of what people like. Sound is also a big part of the anticipation of things. Um, I love doing scenes if I play with multiple people at the same time, 
having somebody not watch, but have to listen, like hear it from the other room, the anticipation that that can gen up the like the fear, the sort of like, oh, what's coming? Oh my gosh, it's going to hurt. Hearing the reactions and the cries and the sound um, is really, really powerful. Like waiting outside the principal's office. Exactly. Yes. And that's usually the scene <laughs> or something like that. Right? Yeah. So I run like a massive detention scene at one of my events where it's like, it's, I run one that's fun and funny and one that I'm like, this actually seems like a miserable thing. It's called Saturday school. And I make people sit there and do like write essays and do SAT homework. And one at a time they get pulled out, they get their name called and taken into another room where then they're spanked. And everybody is sitting in this room doing essays silently and the doors closed, but you can still hear them getting spanked and then they get come back in. I bet that drives people wild. It does. Right. People really like this idea. Yeah. It's a really good event. I'm not even into this, but that sounds like, I bet, <laughs> I, you know, like for people who are into that, like, I bet they love that. Yeah. It's like, that. I it's, bet like, oh, that's probably like chocolate If you're ice cream. into like discipline and you're into the idea of that, that anticipation and that fear is so hard to come up with because you have to trust the person you're doing something with so much in order to do it. It's this interesting balance of like, I want to be nervous and afraid, but I don't want to be nervous and afraid because I want to know that you're not going to hurt me. And so being able to sort of like manufacture that, that nervous energy oh. is, um, is very fun. Best scene in a movie, worst scene in a movie. Favorite scene is Blue Hawaii, without a doubt. My personal favorite scene, I think it's the best scene. I think it's like, if somebody wants to understand a spanking fetishist that has a discipline kink in particular, particularly people that have a bit of a rescue fetish, the spanking scene in Blue Hawaii with Elvis is so Sorry, I just did those long asses, but the, uh, it is my absolute favorite. I adore that scene. I watched that scene over and over and over again as a child. I could do it from memory. It's so good. The spanking's decent. It's still not great, but that's not the point. The point is the, the scene. He rescues her and then she says nobody cares about her. And then he says she needs a spanking. He's like, you know what? You need a good old fashioned spanking. And she says, maybe I do. No one ever cared enough about me even for that. And then he goes, if somebody, if that'll show you somebody does care. And then he pulls her over his knee and spanks her. And it's so hot. Um, worst, man, there's a lot of candidates for that one. I, I don't know if I can think of a word. Anything where somebody looks like they're taking a belt to somebody and it's going on their back. That upsets me. I The other most famous spanking scene in a movie is McClintock. That's one of my favorite movies. And I, when you were talking about Blue Hawaii, and I was always like, oh, I remember McClintock. I would think that that would get people fired. So McClintock is the most famous. Uh, it's like Blue, McClintock and then Blue Hawaii. There's two spankings in McClintock, actually, um, which is wild. I love that you have even seen this movie. I f the idea that somebody that's not into spanking has seen McClintock is wild to me. It's a good movie. It's like a... It's a classic. Yeah. It's a John Wayne, John Wayne classic. I love the first spanking in McClintock. There's a scene where the girl tries to get John Wayne to shoot her boyfriend. She's like, shoot him, daddy, shoot him. Because he like... It's his daughter, right? Yeah, it's John Wayne's daughter. 
and she tries to get John Wayne to shoot her fiance because she's like in a fight with him and she's being brat. And then the, um, he like fake shoots him with a starter pistol. And then the boyfriend's like horrified. And he's like, I'm going to spend. And so then he spanks her and John Wayne hands him a coal shovel to like paddle her with. Um, Love that scene. Then he chases O'Hara, Catherine O'Hara, through the town. That's the scene you're thinking of, the very famous one. His like it's his wife, and she's been. It's Taming of the Shrew, yeah. So it's a, it's a retelling right. of Taming of the Shrew, and so he oh, chases her through the town. She falls into a water trough, and then he spanks her in front of like the whole town. But he uses a, somebody hands him a coal shovel, and it makes this like they put in this ridiculous like boom boom noise on top of it that for me kind of ruins it but for a lot of people mcclintock is their their favorite um that's pretty much all the questions i got what's kind of coming up next for you how can people learn more get a hold of you that kind of stuff yeah sure so um if you're interested in learning more about me just like my background and or interested in a session then my website is misskellymay.com um and you can find out stuff there and then the other thing is i run um the texas all-state spanking party which is coming up in uh the beginning of june um it's the largest spanking party in the u.s and it's like five days of spanking shenanigans and and fun um so that is texasallstatespankingparty.com there's links on my website as well and then if people just want to follow more of me or see a bunch of naked pictures of me. I have an OnlyFans uh, under Princess Kelly. I want to thank Kelly so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media sites. We're profoundly pointless on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. And we have also included her information in the episode description. If you're listening to this on May 17th, The YouTube version of this interview will be out on May 18th at 4.30. Okay, now let's bring in John Shaw and get to the pointless part of the show. So do you remember the first TV show and or movie that got little John fired up? Like, oh, I'm becoming a man. It was actually a a magazine I believe it might have been a, a, a teen bop or whatever they're called. Kid, no, not kids bop. Teen pop, maybe I don't know, but it was a, yeah, it was a magazine for sure. Wait a minute, that wasn't the kind of magazine that male children generally bought at that time. So did you buy that, or were you going through the grocery store checkout line? I was, I was probably in in the checkout line, and then saw who was in the magazine, and was like, oh, I'm. Well, she looks pretty. You know, I mean, what was I, 10, 11, 9? I, I forget how old I was, but. Who was it? Britney Spears was my first celebrity crush. Did you buy the magazine? Did you try to get your mom to buy the magazine? Like, what did you do? How did you try to capitalize on these new feelings? <laughs> well, I was in love from from first, you know, first sight. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I tried buying it uh, or tried getting my mother to buy it. Uh, I didn't get it. Um, yeah, and. I did, end, I did end up getting a magazine a little bit later in my teenage years, like a GQ or something where she was in it. But it wasn't the same as, you know, that first time. <laughs> <laughs> did you know what was going on or were you confused? I mean, uh, 
I, I don't really remember it. I'm sure I was a little confused. You know, I mean, when you get those feelings for the first time, I think we all can can agree that it's 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 a it's a different kind of adrenaline rush, whether you're a man or a female. Little Johnny, <laughs> little Johnny was. Yep. I gotta tell you, it was a, in the grocery store. In the grocery store. Yep. I gotta tell you, it was a completely different ball game, though. When I when I was introduced to Shakira, then it was, you know, it was game on at I mean, that point. I don't know if I've ever had a like a celebrity celebrity crush, like a celebrity that I'd be like, yeah, that did it for me. It's always <laughs> been people that I kind of actually knew. Oh yeah, no, I. Uh, it's really actually nobody that I've known. My my crushes. Uh, it's pretty much always been celebrities, unattainable people. We'll call them. Well, it's good to have hopes and dreams. <laughs> yeah, sure. What's funny is you see the knuckleheads that these people end up with, and you're like, I can't be that worse off than them. Yeah, yeah. There's always something about them that maybe you just don't realize what it is. Like you look at somebody. Like the most recent example, I don't like to mention his name just because I get sick of it. But the most recent example is like Pete Davidson. It's like, wait a minute, they're going for that? Uh, Where was I, right? Like I didn't realize they were selling Mercedes half off. (laughs) Like I would have picked up on that sale. That's kind of what that makes you feel like. Isn't the thing with Pete Davidson, though, he's supposed to be like really, really well off as for a man? Isn't that like his thing? I don't think, and talking to the person we had on this show one time, his name was, I think, Mike Blacksmith, a sex toy designer. What he always said is that in reality, women want much less than men think that they do. (laughs) He said that most of his uh, entertainment toys are fairly small, even compared to the average. He's like, it's much smaller than you think is what people really want. This this brings me to something I was going to ask you about, but... um... So you know what Crocs are, right? You know the the kind of shoe Crocs. Yeah, I think everybody knows what Crocs are. They seem to come and go, and they seem to be back at the moment. Well, my children have a pair. I'm against it, by the way. I don't like Crocs. I think they're useless. I think I, I just don't think they should exist. But regardless, uh, my wife comes home the other day with a bag of what looked to be pins. But wait a second, they're not pins. They're bluey characters, and they're called gibbets. Have you ever heard of gibbets? No. Yeah, they're basically. So, what does this have to do with Crocs? Well, they go in the holes of the Crocs. They're like they have a like a pinnable back, and you put them on your Croc and you walk around. Around, but the the I don't really care about that. I care like who thought of the name gibbet? Well, I mean, it's Australian. Maybe gibbet means something else there. It's not a bad name. It's a better name than Crocs. Like, hey, man, you got the gibbets? You got the Crocs? I don't have a problem with gibbets. I think that's actually kind of good. Oh, see, I have I have a problem with buying worthless shit. <laughs> but I mean, what's the last worthless thing that you can remind, remember buying? Nothing. I can't think of a single thing that in my life that I have personally bought for myself that I would say like, you know what? I'm just buying this thing cuz. I mean, that's your own fault then. You you never just bought something just just oh there's a candy bar right there i'm gonna buy it just because it's oh well like food and drink yeah i mean i'll do that but i'm just not like walking past an aisle 
in REI, a sporting goods place, and being like, you know what I really need is an ice axe. <laughs> Maybe you should. Maybe I do need an ice axe, actually, now that I think about it, right? Like, I've never – I'm just too cheap. I'm too cheap. All right, let's give some shout-outs, shall we? I picked uh, some winners here this week. Uh, we'll start with Craig Katzenberg, Ben Bryant, a little alliteration there, uh, Tainer. Well, so is Craig, is, wait, Craig Katzenberg is not an alliteration, but Ben Bryant is? No, I meant like they both are of alliteration. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see, Tanner – Pitt Cavish, Max Lucas, uh, Ronan Harris, Patrick Murphy, Ty Patterson, Luke Verway, and Charlie Wutke. Thank you all. Appreciate every one of you. Uh, all right, let's see. Uh, a couple of questions for you. A couple of uh, bangers for you. Uh, you like pe- peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Yeah. Crust Who up. doesn't like peanut butter and jelly? Crust on. Come on. No, crust. I'm an adult. I'm an adult. Once you pass the age of 12, eat your sandwiches with the damn crust on. I I love that. I, I couldn't even say it, and you already cut me off to say it, so thank you. Do you cut your crusts off still as an adult? You know, I, I actually never did it until I had children who now eat them from time to time, and it's better with the crust off. You're going to put in that extra effort. For my children, Nick, i do anything. You're doing it for the children or are you doing it for the sandwiches that you eat? Well, yeah, I'm doing it for both. But it started off with me doing it for them. And then, it, and then I was like, oh, I'll try it. And then I did, and it's fantastic. There's just no way that that little amount of crust that's on a bread is really making it a difference to an adult. Like, you're an adult. You can eat a sandwich with the crust on. I, I do think it. I do think it adds a, a little bit of, like, why am I? Why am I having to go this extra mile when I could just cut it off and just have a nice flush piece? But it's gone so quickly. There's no reason to put in that extra work. I've never had a sandwich in my life that I would think like, "Why, well, man? If only this crust wasn't on, this would have been incredible." <laughs> Listen, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to judge one way or the other. You eat. You eat sandwiches the way you want to. I. I'm not saying I eat every sandwich uh, with the crust off, but peanut butter and jelly are kind of crust off sandwiches. Can we go over again how you say sandwich? Sandwich. What is it? Sandwich. Is it a sandwich? Are you going golfing or are you getting something to eat? I'm, I'm how do, how, how do you say it? Sandwich. Sandwich. Not sandwich. 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 It's a sandwich. Um. All right. All right. What was it? Was that your question? That was one crust of them. Crust off or crust on? Yeah, but oh, you didn't okay. let me finish. Like you just cut me off and went into this rant, which is fine. Because I got upset. I got upset. Uh, what's your favorite kind of ice? Cubed, crushed, or 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 nothing? Cubed or crushed? Uh, it depends on the size of the drink. If we're going between, if we're going twelve ounces or no, if we're gonna go twenty four ounces or less, I'm gonna go cubed. If it's 24 ounces or more, I want crushed. Like, if I'm getting a big gulp, I don't want a big gulp with cubed ice. I want a big gulp with crushed ice. So it's a size thing for me. I'm actually going to say 16 ounces or less cubed, 16 ounces or more crushed. See, I don't, unless I'm drinking alcohol, I just want it crushed. I don't want to deal with cubed ice. I don't know if I've ever had alcohol in crushed ice. 
Yeah, I have in like a mar like a margarita type drink, like one of those Caribbean fruity drinks. I have, but that's that. I feel like that's almost like frozen. That's not like true crushed ice, like you get at like the gas station when you get a sixty four ounce. It's like that mix. That's like, is this frozen? Is this not? Do you ever wonder why America has obesity issues? Because we think a sixty four ounce Big Gulp is okay to start our day. It is amazing the amount of non-water liquids that I drink while not drinking any water. I think I can go a whole week without drinking actual water. What what do you what do you drink? That that diet Dr. Pepper? Uh soda, like those little we call them fancy waters, which is basically just water, but it's like flavored. It's, it's like pop, a crystal light kind of thing. It's not soda, it's pop. It's soda. You know what I found out this weekend? I realized I actually was a pop person and switched over to soda. Why? I don't know. It just happened. I say soda now. Well, I will forever be pop. You think that, and then one day you change. I I even lived in the South for four years, and I didn't change my... Didn't The South didn't change me. I, both of you and I lived in Florida. Florida didn't change me. Arizona didn't change me. I got to Washington, and suddenly I'm a soda guy. I was a pop man for years. Soda and orcas. That's your life now. Orcas are awesome. You see an orca? It's fucking goddamn... <laughs> experience okay all right let's see uh what, what are we going to talk about today <laughs> all right well here were the choices that did not get picked um the john ja morant video i don't know if you're familiar with uh, him but he's a pretty famous basketball player back in march he was on instagram uh got caught waving a gun in the video got suspended well yesterday there was another grant uh video posted on instagram showing him waving a gun around Again, man, um, without getting into that whole thing, but that's a guy that did like, how do you not learn that lesson? Right. Or how do just, you not making that about a money pay somebody like here's a hundred grand, John, make sure I don't do this. Okay. <laughs> that's your only fucking job. Make sure I don't go on Instagram live with a gun in my hand. That's your whole job. It's just, yeah, it's stupid. Right. I mean, it's, just, it's, and it, it, I, he's so popular and such a good basketball player that it probably won't ruin his career. Um, all right, let's see. Uh, so I, I randomly just picked an animal. I went to Animal Random Generator, and I just the first one that came up, I put on here. If people wanted us to talk about it, it didn't get any votes, which is fine. But the Ayudad, apparently it's a North African goat. I've never heard of it, which is probably why it didn't get any votes, man. If you put another one on there, it probably would have been like, right? Like, you got to pick one somebody's heard of. We, we might be putting more animals on there because uh, animals are fun to right. talk about. Uh, let's see, Watergate. Uh, I don't know if you have had a chance to watch White House Plumbers. No. Uh, but it's it's pretty good. They're... I'm not interested in that kind of stuff. I mean, it's what's funny is a, a lot of what happened back then, if it was to happen now, would be nothing. Nixon might have won again. I don't understand historical, like, close-to-truth fiction stories. Like, I don't understand those kind of things that are, like, movies based on real events. Well, if I was really that interested in it, why don't I want to watch the actual thing what happened? As opposed to, like, well, what kind of happened? I think it's still based upon the actual events. I think they do a pretty good job of getting it. It's just definitely a fictionalized version of those events. Mm. Okay. What actually won? Uh, um, sausage riots in France. <laughs> and essentially 
uh, has nothing to do with the headline. There are no riots. But um, if anyone's been following the political scheme or, or, or what's going on around the world, you know that people in France have been protesting, rioting against the government and, and whatnot for many reasons. But one of the things um, uh, is for labor and, you know, unions, blah, blah, blah. And for whatever reason, sausages have be, kind of become a weapon for these unions uh, because they cook them, they eat them, they stay out there for days. And that's all that these protesters live on while they're protesting is sausages. They're not like throwing the sausages or something like that? No, no. They're just, it's literally become like, oh, the sausage is, is, is providing sustenance, which is not, it's not a bad food if you think about it. Uh, a sausage is good. Sausage is very underrated. I've had some good sausages. I had some pork sausage. <laughs> it's pretty good. It, it, Love to have some sausage in my mouth. But the, <laughs> I'm just going to stop there. Um, oh, I was wondering where you were going with that whole thing. Um, are you, does that mean you're ready for our top five? I, I am. I, I, I actually felt really um, embarrassed that – well, go ahead and introduce our top five, and then I'll – Top five regional restaurants. Yeah, so I've probably eaten at a good 35 of these. And uh, once again, I don't think that's very I'm, – I'm not proud of that. What's your number five? Uh, created right here in the great state of Michigan. You're such a homer for everything. Just because it was – that's the thing that I don't understand about Detroit and Michigan as a whole. And I apologize to our listeners in Detroit because I know that we have a good, sizable audience in Detroit. It's like – just because it sucks, you guys have to overly commit to it. You're like the person who bought a bad vehicle but then talks it up constantly just because you don't want to admit that it was a bad purchase. It's like, no, it's great. It's awesome. I love it. Toyota Tercel, best car you can buy. <laughs> Get you a Toyota Tercel. It's great. It's great. Get a Toyota Tercel. I love it. It's like you made a bad choice and you're overcompensating. That's what I feel like whenever you pick Michigan stuff. I think every uh, – and I wouldn't even say Michigan's technically a Midwestern state, but I would say Northeast and the Midwest and the East Coast, uh, it's all about everything's the best here. We have the best pizza. We have the best burgers. Uh, is that It's overcompensating because well, you know in reality it's not that great. Well, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm not going to Alabama to get a great burger. I can tell you that. Alabama has fantastic barbecue. Yeah, barbecue, not burgers. Um, anyways, my number five is Big Boy. So they can't cook meat. They can't cook meat. I, I just stepped all over it, right? Because they can't cook. Anyway, what's you your number five? You did step all over it. I just stepped right over it. I was too upset. All right, sorry. My number five is Big Boy. And for people who are not familiar. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know what, what every state it's in, but it's it's in a few of them now. But regardless, it's it's kind of like a glorified Coney Island um, they have burger, you know, hot they, dogs, uh, burgers, re, you know, regular dining food, but nothing fancy. Um, get the Slim Jim if you go there. My number five is Brahms, which is basically an ice cream store that happens to have like burgers and that kind of stuff. But the ice cream is good. Hmm. It's the one of the few places, one of the few places where you get a malt instead of a shake. And you can tell the difference between a malt and a shake. I, I couldn't, but I'll believe you. It's the only, Brahms is the only place I've ever been like, oh, get the malt, <laughs> not the shake. 
the malt's better. All right, my number four, Apollo Loco. Oh, I've had that, but I can't remember what it is. I mean, it's obviously it's chicken. It's a chicken restaurant, but they have the best plantains I've, oh, I've ever had. Yeah, I have had Apollo Loco plantains. They're incredible. It's like it's not mega. It's like Caribbean food. It is. Yeah, it's uh, it's. It, I mean, it's a, it's like a like jerk chicken, spicy yeah. chicken stuff like that. It's it's so good. Yeah, I think it's Caribbean food. And apologize to anybody if it's not like technically Caribbean food. I don't know the difference. My number four is the classiest, the classiest, in my opinion, regional restaurant, and that's Boston Market. Is that regional? Yeah, that's regional. Hmm. At least it is now that most of them are closing down. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've actually never had Boston Market. I know they, there were some of them here in Michigan, uh, but I've never had it. It's the closest that you can get to like a meal, like a home cooked meal. That's the closest you can get is Boston Market. And it used to be not that that expensive, if I'm not mistaken. Now it's probably really mm-hmm. expensive. I remember it was like seven ninety nine for like their club sandwich, which is like a real club sandwich. <laughs> you can sub, you can get Boston Market instead of Thanksgiving dinner. I think I've actually known people who have done that. You might have done that, for all I know. I've done that. Yeah, I've done that. It's pretty good. <laughs> Not that expensive either. I think it was like 40 bucks. <laughs> all right. I hate putting this on the list, but I feel like I have to. And uh, my number three is going to be Chick-fil-A. Mm, that's not a regional restaurant, man. I mean, but it's, but I mean, neither is Boston Market, if we're going to be technical. But Chick-fil-A... <sighs> Started off in one area. Yes, it's expanded a little bit now, but I still think when you think of Chick-fil-A, you think of the South or Ohio. I think a lot of people are going to have a disagreement with you that that's a regional restaurant. Chick-fil-A, Boston Market is in 24 different states. Okay. I'm looking up Chick-fil-A right now. How many do you think it's going to be? Maybe. If What's our cutoff going to be? If it's in 30, <laughs> I think if it's in 40 or more states, it's not a regional restaurant. I mean, I would say 30 or more, and it's it's not a regional. 47, that's not a regional restaurant. Only states it is not in. What are the states it's not in? What three states don't have a Chick-fil-A? Do you think you can guess? Wow, I didn't. I had no idea. Two of them you should be able to get when you think about it. One is a little bit of a surprise. Alaska. Yep. Hawaii. Yeah. This is going to be the tricky one. You probably, let me know if you want a hint. Yes, I'll take a hint. You forget it's a state. Mm, New Hampshire. Close. Vermont. Vermont. Okay. I mean, I, 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 I can interchange it. I didn't realize that Chick-fil-A was like, it doesn't feel like it's a non-regional restaurant still, but I guess it is, isn't. Yeah. Leave Michigan, man. <laughs> Get out in the world. Uh, well, I, you know what? I, I mean, I can put, uh, if you want, I can change my late. number three. It's too late. Too late. It's too All right. Late. What's your number three? What would, but what would have been your number three if you were allowed to change it? But it is too late for the official record. I probably would have put Waffle House in there. That's my number three, <laughs> Waffle House. Waffle House is not just a food experience. It is a cultural experience. <laughs> if you've never been to a Waffle House in the early morning hours, you are missing out on life. You are missing out on entertainment. I've only been 
once or twice, and I don't remember it. So it's incredible. <laughs> Waffle House has a different late night vibe than either IHOP or Denny's. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's much trashier. Waffle House can go either way, though. You can have a really good time at a Waffle House, or you can have a really bad time at a Waffle House at two in the morning. <laughs> it's so terrible, man. Yeah, I will. I yeah, it's terrible, but it's terrible in the best kind of way, I suppose. Do you know how much a wa- manager at Waffle House makes? At least what a manager at Waffle House made in 2010 when I talked to a manager at a Waffle House. What do you think they make per hour or salary? Salary. Yeah, that changes your opinion of Waffle House. Waffle House, at least then, was (laughs) taking care of its employees. No, it it doesn't at all. It's $57,000. That's how much they were paying. That's a good job. It doesn't, though. I've been like, I should be managing a Waffle House. Uh, Okay, what's your number two? Uh, National Coney Islands. That's a homer pick, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, National is is a type of Coney Island that are, I believe, only around where I live. Uh, but yeah, they have the best honey sandwich you can ever imagine. It's fantastic. What's a honey sandwich? So it's like a, a pita with chicken, like a chicken, uh, like a couple of chicken fingers, chicken tenders with uh, cheese and tomato and ranch. Oh, it's so good. So the restaurant chain that specializes in hot dogs, best food isn't a hot dog. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe 80% of the people that you ask would say that, but I've explored that menu, if you know what I mean. Um, my number two is In-N-Out. I think that's probably going to be a lot of people's number ones, In-N-Out. That, but my number one is different. That is my number one. In-N-Out? In-N-Out, yeah. My number one is something that People may argue with, but if you know, you know. Quick trip. See, Technic- I uh, kind of a gas station, but if you know, you know. See, so Quick trip. I, I struggled with that with with because I was gonna put Wawa on my list, and then I was like, ah, Wawa's great, but I, I don't know if it's better than the five I, I have on the list. Quick trip, I would. How far would you drive out of your way for your number one? I mean, I wouldn't, to be honest, because I have fantastic yeah. places near me, like Culver's and things. But, um, but I mean, if it, if it was 40, 45 minutes or less away, I'd probably, you know, I'd probably go once a month, maybe once every couple of weeks. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Quick trip. Quick trip is worth. Well, the problem is it's like, yeah, I wouldn't really drive out of my way. But I do get – I have to go visit family members once a year or a couple of times a year. And I always think to myself, like, well, at least I'm going to go to the quick trip. going to have – or I always think to myself, like, I'm going to get to go to the quick trip. Like – they don't have them here where I live. Here's the thing is is, is we did, like, kind of, like, national um, uh, regional restaurants. If we were to do hyper-local, it's a completely different ballgame. But then again, yeah, but nobody would know nobody what we're talking about. Okay, what's in your um? Uh, what's in your honorable mention? So Wawa, have to okay. have to put Wawa. Zaxby's, Whataburger, Jack in the Box, um, and that's kind of it. I also I also wrote down um, uh, Del Taco, but I, I don't think that's I don't think that's regional anymore. 
So I don't think of Jack in the Box as being regional. To me, that's a national restaurant. I've always seen Jack in the Boxes. Oh yeah, I I could be wrong. I I don't think there's any in Michigan or in the Midwest. I thought that Sonic was a regional restaurant, but apparently it is not. No. I thought Sonic was a regional restaurant. I had Del Taco in there. Del Taco is pretty good. Church's Chicken. I also thought Popeye's was a regional restaurant, but apparently it isn't. I don't think Church's Chicken is either. Let's go for the definitive list of regional restaurants. There's probably tons of them. Okay, I'll go through a list of regional restaurants. I'll name some that I've definitely heard of. And uh, you tell me if it's a yes or no. Let me find ones that actually, like some of these have never, Aubon Pan, I've never heard of that. Never heard of it. Yeah, some of these, okay, let me go through the list. Give me a second. Your second begins. No. Burgerville. Never heard of it. Carl's Jr. Yes or no? No. Carl's Jr. Captain D's, which is like a competitor of uh, Long John Silver's. Yes. Yeah, we had a big deal with with Long John Silvers. Remember they used to like send us messages? Um Oh, Dick's Drive-In. Now we have that here in Washington. That's pretty solid. That's one of those restaurants where you come up and there's a lingo towards when you order it. Like you go up there if you want a cheese, if you want a cheeseburger, fries and shake, you don't say cheeseburger, fries and shake. You say I'd like a cheese, a fries and a chocolate. So there's a lingo to ordering there. That's stupid. It's very efficient when you get down to it. It's dumb. Cheese fries and a chocolate. It's it's it's, it's cool. You're in the club, man. You're part of the club. Just enjoy it. Friendlies. I've had it a couple of times. Not a big fan. Not very friendly. Jersey Mike's is apparently a regional restaurant. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought. Oh, the Habit Burger. I've seen those. Seen him never had never tried it though. Skyline Chili, yeah, that's in Cincinnati. Had that, yeah. Shit my pants the next day. Yeah, that's one of those that like I'll just trust people's word for it whether or not it's good. <laughs> Man, there's a ton. Mighty Taco, heard of that one? Yep. You may not know of this one. This one is region. These are two that are regional to like um, where I grew up, which is New Way and Spangles. New Way burgers were like, but they were just they they crushed them basically like they ground them up. Pretty good. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Never. There's a New Way bar here in Metro Detroit, but not burgers. I can't believe there's a regional restaurant named the Pink Taco. <laughs> that's that's offensive. Yeah. How'd they get away with that? Oh, okay. That's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, subscribe. Leave us a rating or a review. Doesn't have to be some big thing. Just a couple of quick words really helps us out. And let us know what you think are some of the best regional restaurants. I think I've tried a lot of them, at least the major ones, but there's definitely some that slip through the cracks. And I think regional means it has to be in 10 states, but no more than 30. That's going to be my personal qualifications. Let us know what you think are some of the best ones, though. Always interested. Like, man, that's one of the coolest things, is going to a new place and trying new food. So if you've got some suggestions, let us hear them. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.